Welcome to Life Quest Liberty, live in-depth conversations with today's top writers, editors, and spiritual leaders concerning religious freedom around the world. On today's broadcast, we'll examine local and international factors that may be impacting your right to worship and obey God as your conscience dictates. I'm your Life Quest Liberty host, Charles Mills. Religion, at least as defined by God, is all about freedom, the freedom to obey or not obey, the freedom to worship in our own special way, the freedom to love when all others hate, to forgive when all others seek revenge, to accept when all others simply tolerate. Religion and freedom should go hand in hand, but religion is under attack these days, and it is the faithful few who are bearing the brunt of the assault. The freedom to worship and obey God as conscience dictates is under fire. Here to talk about what's taking place is Dwayne Leslie, Director of Legislative Affairs for the Seventh-day Adventist Church. He's speaking to us from the editorial offices of Liberty Magazine in Silver Spring, Maryland. Dwayne, bring us up to date. How is religious freedom and those who promote it being challenged these days? First of all, thank you for having me on the show. I'm glad to have a chance to interact with your listeners. Sure. One of the things that, that is interesting is that threats to religious liberty around the world have been significantly increasing of late as, as more countries impose severe restrictions on religion, while uh, harassment and intimidation of religious groups uh, has been on the increase. The, there's a group called the, the Pew Forum, and they, do, they have a subgroup, the Pew Forum on Religion and Public Life, which does an annual survey looking at religion and the restrictions on religion on an international basis, and they track it every year. And so the survey that just came out for the last period of time found that the percentage of the world's population that lives under some form of restriction on religion has now increased to 75%, up from 70% from the previous year. So three out of four people in the world live under some form of religious restriction. You know, three out of four, that is incredible. We here in this country seem to think, well, okay, it's bypassing us. That's their problem over there. That's happening in, in Asia. That's happening in South America and Africa. Is it happening here in North America as well? It is. And in fact, one of the interesting things in the study, I mean, the United States typically uh, and in m much of North America has had uh, traditional levels of, of religious freedom. But mm -hmm. what we're seeing is that there's been a spike in religion-related violence. I mean, we saw the example of uh, the, the Fort Hood uh, shooting rampage yes. that left yes. 13 dead. You had uh, the underwear bomber who, who tried to set off uh, a bomb on a plane headed to Detroit. Uh, so you're, you're, seeing, you're seeing incidents even here in, in the U.S. where uh, there is some religious-related violence. And then you, you even have... We're in the political season, and so you know, religious freedom has also uh, been an issue in, in the political process as well. Now, when you say these acts of violence taking place, are these acts of violence taking place because of religion or simply religious people who call themselves religious being violent? Which one is that? Well, th that's actually a great question. I mean, it's, uh, I think sometimes it's, it's a little bit of both. I mean, I think some people who are followers in, in particular faiths wow. want to do things to draw attention to their faith or to or act in ways which may not be uh, in line with their religious actual principles, mm. but you have extremists in all walks of life. And, and so you, you hate to, to cast certain religions with a broad brush, but you do have some people who are extremists who do things in the name of 
of their religion, which are, are violent. And, and you hate to see that because that's, uh, that's not what religion is all about. Because we see a lot of events that take place in the world and a man or woman stands up and says, you know, I am doing this for Allah or I am doing this for God. And right. then the organization or religion to which he or she belongs goes, no, 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 that's not us. That's, that's him or that's her. That's not us. So we're seeing that as well as actual religious bodies being motivated and uh, 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 under fire and under, underway to hurt other people. So both of these things are happening. Yes, that, okay. that's definitely right. correct. When you have this happening, what is, the, what is the underlying cause? I can understand why a fanatic who has a certain bee in his bonnet, wants to, to make a point and does something violent. But how can a religious organization, a religious movement, or a religious people, or even a religious government, whose religion, if you dig down into it, says, you know, be kind, be loving, don't hurt other people, doing such violent things, what is happening that causes that? Well, what, what's interesting is that I, I think that, um, and I'll use the country of Iran as an example, mm. which was reported in the study as having a high degree of restriction on religion, where uh, they have these blasphemy laws that say that um, no one is allowed to speak ill against uh, the majority faith in that country. Mm -hmm. And they have taken that to, to pretty far extremes. And so you saw the case of uh, Pastor Yusuf Nardakani, yes. a Christian pastor who was imprisoned for three years and simply for being deemed to be blasphemous and and uh they said well we'll let you go as long as you recant your faith and he said i can't do that I, i'm a christian and i shouldn't be imprisoned just for having a different religious view mm -hmm. than you have and, and praise god he was after a lot of public attention was brought to this he was released in september and then what happened they turn around and put his lawyer <laughs> in jail who is now his lawyer is serving a nine-year prison sentence and so one of the things that we work here uh, in my department is we want to protect religious freedom for for all people. And the fact that a lawyer is fighting for for justice for a Christian, and now he is paying the ultimate penalty by serving a prison sentence, we want to continue to bring that to the public's attention to say this is unjust, and religious freedom has to apply for all. Now, you mentioned that the furor that was generated by this imprisonment of this pastor— do you believe, uh, Dwayne Leslie, do you believe that it was the pushback from the rest of the world and from organizations uh, that are supportive of religious freedom that brought about his release? Because we, we talk on this program, we should be active. We should be involved yes. in religious liberty and the fight for religious freedom. Did it help his case? I think it did. I mean, because literally um, no one had heard about this case. And the American Center for Law and Justice was, uh, they led the charge in bringing this to the public's attention. And then what, what happened is that um, many other faith groups got involved and they went to social media. They went to the news media. And as it got more attention, then it even went up to the State Department and to even uh, members of Congress who who heard about this and, and began to weigh in. And, and at some level, once it reached international status yes. uh, and in terms of publicity, I think the government really had their, they want this to go away, but on the other hand, they don't want to look weak to their citizens. And so what they did was in some ways a clever compromise. They found Pastor Nardakani guilty of evangelizing, I believe, and then they released him for time served. So at least they can say, well, we found him guilty of something, but we're going to let him go. 
and then now we're going to turn around and put his lawyer in jail. So the point is that uh, we can we can all be a voice for freedom, and I think it's important for each listener to understand that your voice can make a difference. And while we claim the the success of seeing Pastor Nardacani released, there are many others who continue to be persecuted in countries like Iran. We should stand up for freedom and don't hesitate because you can make a difference and we can see the success of what happens when when a group of brothers and sisters come together to fight for freedom and fight for religious liberty. I'm just curious, is the is the lawyer they tossed in jail, is he a Christian? I don't believe that he wow. is. Uh, I'm not 100% positive, but he's a, he is a noted uh, human rights activist lawyer in Iran, and it's just a, it's a shame that he's just doing his job that uh, he now has to pay the price. And what that does, it, it sends a chilling effect to anyone else who would stand for freedom and say, if you stand for freedom, here's what could happen to you. So maybe you should think about that. And, and that, to me, is sort of the worst kind of chilling effect. Mm. You know, when we talk about uh, governments that crack down on religious freedom and we say, well, now, wait a minute, that's the government. Isn't government supposed to be separate from religion? Or isn't there a separation of church and state? That's not the case always. I mean, we, we, we battle that here in this country, keeping these two separate. But in these countries, like you've been mentioning, there really is no separation between church and state. Am I right? Well, there, there are definitely countries where it's much more intertwined. And I think you see this in Europe quite a bit, where there's some levels of financial support for religion. Mm-hmm. And uh, a, a good example is the country of, of Hungary, which has been uh, in the news quite a bit lately. They, they enacted a religion law uh, that basically said, we're going to eliminate most of the recognized religions. And so they had approximately 340 religions that were recognized, and they passed a law that said, we're going to take that number from 340 plus down to 14. Mm. And so many faiths, including the Seventh-day Adventist faith, lost their legal status. And so I was involved in, in working with uh, our church in Hungary mm-hmm. and working to, uh, one, speak out against the law because the the, the law basically set new criteria for what would be a recognized religion. And then yeah. on top of that, they said you have to get a two-thirds vote of parliament to be reapproved. So now you're adding a political element to whether you have a legitimate religion or not. What are and we doing so wrong, Dwayne? What are the 300 and some religions in that country, what were, what, what were they doing so bad that the government didn't like them, want to shut them down? Well, it's not that we were doing anything wrong, and in fact, uh, we were told, "Oh, we're not, we're not targeting you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's some of these other groups that are fraudulent, as they say." Mm-hmm. But to me, there are ways to root out fraud and corruption without mm-hmm. taking a broad brush. The Seventh-day Adventist Church has been operating in Hungary for over a hundred years. They have a seminary. Um, they do lots of good work in the community, mm-hmm. and so in this case, uh, it had a positive result because when the Seventh-day Adventist Church did reapply, along with 80 other churches that reapplied for uh, recognition, they accepted uh, 20 to 22, and the Adventist Church was accepted. But it still doesn't change the fact that the law doesn't necessarily make a whole lot of sense to me. I sometimes, when I hear reports like this, actually almost side with the government, because there are some religious organizations, and I put those words in quotes, religious organizations, who are anything but, who are fraudulent, who are doing damage. And of course, to a non-religious eye, uh, how are they going to tell the difference between a Seventh-day Adventist and another organization who is it's fraudulent? Uh, when the government cracks down like this, I'm almost saying, well, they should, 
because we need to root out the problems. If you leave it wide open for anybody, anybody who says, I'm a religious person, I'm a religious organization, give, given free reign in a country, they can do damage. Well, they can do damage, but, but I think that the question is, do we want to err on the side of, uh, of freedom or not? I mean, one of the things that makes the United States great is that even though there are many p- people hold views that might be abhorrent, yeah. that we don't agree with, in the court of public opinion, if you have good ideas, hopefully more people will, will come to you. But uh, I tend to defer more to have to have freedom. And, and for even for religious groups that I may not agree with their theology, I still believe that they have the right to have those because you should have your right to worship the way you want. And I want to have my own right to worship the way that I want, because as soon as somebody says you're valid and you're not, one day they may look at me and say, well, Dwayne, your faith is not valid. Mm-hmm. That's why we fight for religious freedom mm-hmm. for everyone, because that's important for those of us that are not in the majority. We want to protect our own freedom and then have give others the right to have the freedom to worship the way that they want to as well. In a recent Liberty Magazine editorial, Lincoln Steed wrote, If a civil society gives marriage rights to anyone, do not confuse it with the solemnity of a church-officiated ceremony. Let's not stoop to pejorative attacks on gays or anyone else living apart from biblical injunctions. We have an obligation from God and the freedom under civil law to preach and live in a way that may draw others to join us. For more insights, visit libertymagazine.org. We're talking with Dwayne Leslie, Director of Legislative Affairs for the Seventh-day Adventist Church. He's in the editorial offices of Liberty Magazine in Silver Spring, Maryland. We're talking about restrictions on religion, and according to him, and according to a study that was released by the Pew Forum, uh, there is a growing number of incidences and uh, situations where religions are being restricted. What other countries are facing these? You talked about uh, Hungary there, and we've talked about North America a little bit. What other countries have real issues in this area, Dwayne? Well, one country that we've been tracking quite a bit is the country of Nigeria, Mm. which has been having ongoing violence between Christians and Muslims. And what we're finding is that there's a, again, it's an extremist sect called Boko Haram, and they have been on a reign of terror where they have been bombing and burning Christian churches. Uh, with just a an, an just very significant violence against christians and and the government in this case sits back and and really does nothing and and that 's really uh, quite a shame so what should they do I, again, when you have religions fighting each other and there 's a government overseeing all this, if the government steps in on one side or the other aren 't they sort of taking away the freedom of the other side that they 're not supporting? Well, again, a good question, but I think the question is, what is the role of the government? Mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. government shouldn't be taking sides on religion, but uh, the government, one of their first tenets is to protect the rights of all people. Mm-hmm. And if you have some of your citizens who are being killed and tortured and terrorized by another group of citizens stepping in to say, 
you you have every right to disagree with someone's theology or their religion, but you don't have the right to take their property, to terrorize them, or to kill them. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think they're taking the side of religion. They're taking the side of just human rights and human dignity. And the only way they can do that, the only way a government can be that blind so that justice is blind, so they're there to protect the citizens as opposed to promote a religion, is for the government itself to be non-religious. Because if they're religious, they're going to almost unconsciously support their ideal of what religion should be. But again, I think you can have a pluralistic society. I think you could, one, it's probably better when government and religion are not too closely intertwined. Mm -hmm. But if it goes to your philosophy of government, and so if your approach is that all are welcome, all are valid, even people who are in the majority and the minority, but religious freedom should not be a sword. It should not be used to bludgeon people to believe into the majority view. Mm-hmm. Uh, my view is that people should always have the right to to believe whatever they, they want to believe. And and religious observance by force, I don't think that that's, that's not the, the Christian example. Okay. It just seems like the world is searching for a way of accepting uh, what is reality, accepting the fact that there are a multitude of religions, accepting the fact that people don't agree with each other. We seem to be having a hard time with that. Governments seem to be having a hard time. Neighbors seem to be having a hard time. And that goes to the very root of what religious liberty is all about. That is, we accept people. We accept their differences. We accept it even though we don't like it or abhor it. We accept it. And governments should be doing that, and individuals should be doing that, right? I agree. I I think that that uh, that freedom, religious freedom at its core, is is allowing people to express uh, the beliefs that they want, even if we disagree with them. Mm-hmm. And what I also tell folks too is that uh, for those people who, let's say you disagree with someone, you want to you want to have the right to evangelize to them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if if you see your neighbor and you think your neighbor, uh, you want to witness to them. You can't do that without religious freedom. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that that I stress, too. It's okay for you and your neighbor to disagree, but you want to have the right to sit down and study with them if that's what you're so inclined to do. And those people who come to my door and knock on the door and they're dressed up so nicely and they have a Bible tucked into their arms, I have to give them religious freedom to evangelize to me as well. You know, I expect them to let me come into their neighborhood, into their homes, into their television sets, into their radio sets. I have to be open to accept them to come into my home, into my television, into my radio. Am I on the right track here? I, I, I think so, and, and it's be, because that's how the gospel will ultimately be spread, is mm-hmm. we need to have the freedom to do that. And, and what's happening in some countries, they're restricting proselytizing. They're, yes, pr- yes. they're restricting evangelism. And For example, in the country of, of Kazakhstan, which, like Hungary, passed a very restrictive uh, religion law, and one of the things that if you're not a recognized religion, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. You're forbidden from holding evangelistic meetings. You're forbidden from from evangelizing.
Now, we've been talking about some of the bad news. Did the Pew Forum have any good news for us? They talked about restrictions on religion. Are there any areas of the world that are actually improving in this area? Um, <laughs> think things are not really getting not much really, better, really. actually. And yeah. so even, even in countries, we talked about the United States, but yeah. even a country like Switzerland, which most people know is independent and fairly peace-loving, in November 2009, Switzerland passed a constitutional referendum that banned the construction of minarets on mosques mm. in that country. Mm. And that really surprised a lot of the international community because obviously that's a law which is uh, basically directed at one religion. And they said, we don't want uh, – we're going to restrict uh, your religious freedom to build the house of worship that you want. And so that's something that, uh, that caused their score to even go up. You know, I was raised a Seventh Avenue Christian, and you are a Seventh Avenue Christian, Dwayne. You and I look to the Bible for our guidance in the future, and uh, it is very clear, according to Scripture, that there is going to be wars and rumors of wars right up to the very end when Jesus comes. I guess I grew up thinking that these wars and rumors of wars were over territory, were over resources. I'm beginning to see that the wars and rumors of wars that we may be facing in the future is not about resources or water or gold or land or rights, but about belief and about faith. Would I be right in saying that? I think it is quite possible. I mean, we're, we're seeing some of the uprisings. We see what happened with the Arab Spring. Yes. Uh, you see what's happening in the Middle East and North Africa and in Egypt. And religion is a driving factor in much of the violence that, that is happening in the world today. And so I agree with you that, that that's something that we have to continue to watch. It's just different. It's, 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 it has shifted. There has some, something has happened in this world that has caused that shift, that people are violent for slightly different reasons than they used to be, that they fight wars for different reasons than they used to, that they murder each other and hurt each other and torture each other in the name of, and you can put in God or Allah right. or whatever you want, or Muhammad, whatever you want to say in there, that there is a, a real shift in this world. Does this surprise you, Duane, being a student of the Bible, a Christian, does this surprise you, or are you saying, well, we should have seen this coming? I wasn't sure how ultimately things would play out, but uh, I can't say that I'm surprised to see this this level of uh, of anger and hostility, um, because you know religion, as, as you correctly mentioned, is is becoming a, a, dri as a driving motivator in in actions and for countries that uh, not only seek power but seek control over over their citizens and then wanting to extend their message uh, even beyond their borders. What I just have to conclude in listening to you and talking about this Pew Forum report is that if you take most religions of the world, just take most of them, and you read what they say about themselves and what they say that their members are supposed to do, we find peace and kindness and tolerance and love and, and acceptance and everything like that. So when we have a religious war or when we have a religious restriction or when we have something in the name of religion happening, we can almost say it's not the religion, it's the religious people that are doing this. Would I be on the right track in saying that and laying the blame for what's happening into the human heart, not in the divine that they, uh, that they say they worship? I'd like to think that it, it's really, uh, everyone has their own interpretation in terms of what they think is right and, yeah. and not right, but uh, I just, 
I wonder about a religion or any religion where it is okay for me to take someone else's life, yes. to take someone's property yeah. in the name of my religious faith. Yeah. And, and yeah. That, that is concerning to me. And, and that's one of the things that we fight for is that uh, we serve a God of freedom and God does not want us to serve him out of fear or out of coercion. We just and, make and, sure, yeah, we need to make sure that when we see these things and when we hear these things, we're not saying, look what God is doing in this world. Look what God is doing through his people in this world. Right. We had a problem with this in the Old Testament, and we are continuing that problem today. We are laying at the feet of God something that humans are doing. We are putting in the heart of God something that the human heart is bringing about. And I just don't like it, and this report and your testimony today is just underlining this. When you see this, Dwayne Leslie, when you see this happening in the world, what does your heart tell you? What do you say to yourself in defense of the God you worship? One, I, I think because we serve a God of freedom and, and sometimes things happen that, that are, are disturbing and, and that make us sad. And, you know, we see people in the name of God doing things which do not appear to line up with the, the character that, that I know through my own personal study. Yes. That is what makes me sad. But that, that just sort of gives me energy to keep fighting for as long as we're on this earth. Uh, I think we have a duty to stand up for people who don't necessarily have the ability to speak for themselves. We should fight for freedom because I think that's what God wants us to do. And while we fight for the right for everyone to worship freely, it also gives us the opportunity to study and, and to take the, the gospel to all the world. Mm, you said it perfectly there. You said personal God. When we have God in our hearts, when we have the one true God and we have studied into it and we have learned from that God, it is that God that drives us, not an organization, not a government, not a movement, but that personal God. And when you get to know God, it is a very different God than you hear, sometimes even preach from pulpits. Am I right? Oh, you're definitely right. Okay. All right. Well, we have had a wonderful conversation today with Dwayne Leslie. He's the Director of Legislative Affairs for the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And uh, I want to thank you, Dwayne, for these insights. Any final words of encouragement for us? Because sometimes when we talk about these issues, we might come away feeling, oh dear, there's nothing I can do. Is there something that we can do? Well, there, there absolutely is. And, and I want to encourage uh, all of the listeners here that uh, one voice can make a difference. Don't be afraid to, to stand up and let your voice be heard, whether that is contacting your, your local representative. When you hear about stories that make you upset or make you sad, where there's violence being done in the name of God to any brother and sister throughout the world, it, your voice can and will be heard. And here at the General Conference, we actively track these activities. And for those people that do have an interest in what's happening in the rest of the world, uh, we do have a, a Twitter account. And so you can follow us. The address is IRLA underscore USA. That's IRLA underscore USA. And we update it every day where many of the stories that we talked about, we give ongoing daily guidance on what's happening throughout the world and the work of our church too. And so pray for your persecuted brothers and sisters all over the world. That's Amen. what I'd like to ask. Amen. Dwayne Leslie, Director of Legislative Affairs for the Seventh Adventist Church. Dwayne, thank you so much for being with us today. Great. Appreciate no, it. Thank you for having me here. And listeners, until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Dwayne Leslie inviting you to rest in the freedom of God's love. Goodbye, everyone. You've been listening to LifeQuest Liberty. 
To further explore the issues discussed on today's program, visit www.LibertyMagazine.org. Join us again next week at this same time as we examine more of the threats and challenges facing your religious freedom. May God keep the flames of religious freedom burning in your heart today.